Well, good morning, everyone. Here I am outside, hoping that the lawnmowers don't start up. But there is some noise coming from across the back. They may be building a deck, and so I hope that's not going to be too much of a distraction. Well, here we are, Sunday, June 21st, the last service in our regular season of worship, uh, spring 2020. But it's been anything but a regular season, of course. Um, nevertheless, it's been good in many ways. And I want to thank you all for tuning into these videos each week, for sticking with it, and for contributing. Next Sunday, we're going to be taking a break from worship at Rockway since it's the first long weekend of the summer. So uh, you can take a break from church or you could attend another service. And now that churches are doing many things online, well, you could attend wherever you want. Um, maybe morning prayer in London, England. Or you could tune into a lively Mennonite service in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Um, well, I'm going to try to keep this a little shorter this morning because we've already had a powerful presentation from Brian. Um, I want to thank you, Brian, for your poetry this morning and uh, wish you a happy Father's Day. The parable I'm looking at this morning is also a parable about a father. It's about the father who lost his sons and then who found one of them again. But we don't usually think of this as a parable of the father. It's known to us as the parable of the prodigal son. And it's the third parable of things lost in Luke chapter 15. The sequence seems to be intentional because um, sometimes things do come in a series of three. First it was the sheep, then it was the coin, and now it's a son. And then another son. And I'll get back to that in a minute. As I said last week, Luke tends to place his focus on the things that are lost. He likens the coin and the sheep to a person, uh, a person estranged from God, lost in sin. And then God searches and searches until the lost is found and there is a party and rejoicing. And here we see another story of a sinner who repents, the younger son who hits bottom with the pigs after he spent all his inheritance on dissolute living. But as I was saying last week, what would happen if we shifted our perspective toward the one who did the losing? The parables that Jesus told were open-ended. They didn't come with the correct interpretation. They were meant almost as riddles to send the listeners out on a quest. So what if we took a different approach and called them instead the parable of the shepherd, the parable of the woman, and the parable of the father? What they have in common is that they all lost something. And then they were able to find it again, or almost. And I'll come back to that in a moment. We've been accustomed to interpreting these characters as God, but this doesn't necessarily have to be the case. 
Maybe it also makes sense to see these characters as a stand-in for us, and then to pursue that line of reflection. You know, the father in this story did something quite strange and unheard of for his time, and also for ours. Um, he liquidated half of his estate and gave it to his younger son just because he wanted it early. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Of someone doing that that you know? And would you do such a thing? Well, I wouldn't. Um, inheritances are meant for after the person is gone and after the affairs of the estate have been settled. The father did not seem to exercise very wise judgment at all in this regard, and um, yet we so easily assume that he stands for God, so maybe not. Well, he gives the younger son a bucket load of money, and the son go off, goes off and has a wild time, and then he runs out. He wants to eat what the pigs are getting, but his employer won't even let him have that. And so he hatches a plan. We often consider this his repentance, his come to Jesus moment. But is it really? Let's uh, be open to considering other possibilities. Here's what the text says. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. Now it doesn't necessarily sound like repentance. It can also sound like a plan, a scheme even. I'm miserable here. Even the lowly hired hands have more food than I have. I'm going to go back to my father, and this is what I'm going to say. And then he starts to rehearse his speech. I'm not sure the young fellow has changed at all. There's no real evidence here of remorse or a change of heart. It could be just business as usual, making a plan to get what he wants. So he goes back and we know the rest of the story. The father runs out to meet him, puts a ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf and calls everyone together to a party. The lost has been found. Now, if this were a direct parallel to the other parables in Luke, this is where it would end. Rejoice with me, I found my sheep. Come celebrate, I found my coin. Come to the party, my lost son has been found. But it doesn't end like that. And why not? Because we learn that the father has another son and he's not a happy camper. Listen, he says, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you haven't ever even given me so much as a young goat to celebrate with my friends. Now here your son comes back, squandered your inheritance with prostitutes, and you kill the fatted calf for him. The older son's upset, and he's not coming to any party. This raises another question about the father. Um, earlier we observed that he wasn't too wise to liquidate half of his estate, his estate, 
And now if we're to believe the older son, he hasn't done very well either at recognizing the son who stayed home um, and valuing him. The fact that the older son won't go into the party seems to suggest that he's also lost. So here we have one who's come back and the other who has gone in a sense. And the parable ends with this awkward lack of resolution. We don't know what will happen. Will the older son come around? Will the younger son have a change of heart and really repent? And might the father do some soul searching, realize some of the mistakes he's made, how he's been foolish in some ways? Well, what do you think? And what might this story have to say to us today? Well, the best way to explore this would be in a conversation. But uh, just a few thoughts here. Uh, could it be some wisdom on parenting? Be careful that you don't lose your kids. On the one hand, you could lose them by spoiling them, by giving them too much, giving them what they want when they're not yet ready to handle it. Or on the other hand, we could lose them by taking them for granted, by not noticing them, by not paying attention to them in a personal way. But perhaps the message of the whole chapter is that it's important to recognize what has been lost, particularly those things that we are responsible for. For, of course, we're not responsible for all losses. Uh, some we just have to accept and we have to let go. Um, like when we're aging and we lose some abilities, maybe our eyesight is decreasing or our hearing. We can't do much about that. We have to adapt. But some losses we do have responsibility for. And for those, perhaps, uh, we're being called to take note and to do what we can to restore wholeness. And the thought came to me, who knows? Maybe even this is a message for God. Or maybe this parable is the story of God in some ways, even though that might sound a little sacrilegious, I guess. Um, what if God were in fact the Father? He did lose his children in some ways. Uh, we know from the scriptures that he did favor one younger nation over all the nations. For whatever reason, he decided to have a chosen people. Maybe he took the rest of the nations for granted. You know, appearing too aloof, too transcendent. Having favoritism. And now he has changed. Through another son, Jesus Christ, he's drawn close to humanity in the flesh and has come searching for all people, all nations together to let us know in a new way that he loves each person everywhere and wants to bring us all home together. Well, here ends our mini-series and it's probably good. It sounds like the construction's ramping up there. Um, I'll look forward to seeing you on Zoom and in our summer gatherings. So um, until then.